Ahoy hoy, Noiros! Welcome back to this edition, the 98th edition. We are two episodes away from the hammer. Terrifying times. Who knows what's to come, Mr. Night Hammer? <laughs> we don't have that scheduled, but you know, I know. that would have worked. That would have been good. 200, huh? How about that? Yeah. I don't know if I could think about that at this point. Yeah, that's true. It's a long ways away. But maybe not. It's actually not. It is. I know. We got to where we're at pretty quickly. Numerical Dan. Yeah. My numbers checking friend. for you. Yeah. Well, I've got the greatest nickname of all, sir. Gentleman Joey here to say. You do. Welcome to the show. I'm in a new one. No, I. You give me new ones every week. I understand. (laughs) We can come up with something by the end of the episode, maybe. I make no such promises. Well, I think mine's going to be, sorry, spoiler alert. I'm, I'm going to be Dan the Beachcomber. Oh, I you, okay. I don't, know, I don't know if you noticed that in the uh, in the opening credits of our movie. but I absolutely did notice okay. that. I was going to forget to say it, so I'm glad you, you did say it because, yeah, that was wild. Don That's how you knew Comer. what we were in for. Yep. For his, what was his, what did he do? He was like he a technical was the advisor. Technical advisor. Yeah. Yes, a uh, very interesting guy. Um, and Oh, you know about this guy? I do. I looked it up because I was fascinated by that name. Oh, you and got some good facts. That's I'm looking forward to this. I do. I do. Unless you want to get into it now. We're talking the beachcomber. This is his time to shine. We don't have to. No. Um, I'm going to say save it because from what I saw for facts on this movie, we're going to need everything you got. Yes, I agree. So, so no, I won't give it away. Yes. Well, let's give away what movie we're talking about, though. It's Hell's Half Acre which was released June 1st, 1954 from our old friends at Republic Pictures. Been a minute since we've done a Republic, right? Or am I making that up? It has been a little bit. I, I was, I'm trying to think. I mean, one of the last ones I can remember is probably during the, the color film noir. I mean, okay. it could be that it could be that far back. I mean, I know um, a woman's devotion was because that was right, true right. color. I do remember that, but I, yeah, I can't think of one, but I mean, I always have a good time with Republic. So I, I'm always the, the one thing that they can do. They could really do was film noir and westerns. Sure. Those are the, those were the things that they could really do. I would say at the very least, they always do something interesting. You know, yes. there's always something to talk about. And we appreciate them for that. Uh, you ready for some taglines on this bad boy? I am very much so. All right. City of sin. Toughest spot in the Pacific. OK, Sure. Through the twisting alleys, a woman seeks her man and cold-blooded killers await her, too. Okay, I'm okay with that one. Toughest spot in the Pacific, why? <laughs> that one's just on its own, okay. Uh, is that the same one? It's like sort of like the other one. Yeah. Toughest spot in the sin-swept sin Pacific. Okay. Actually filmed in Honolulu. That's true. Yes. <laughs> the distinct <laughs> facts true. at this point. Yeah, it doesn't really say much about it other than where it, where it is. But that's different because one thing we've learned about these taglines is they usually lie. So a little truth is never going to hurt you. That's Last one. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Through the twisting alleys into the smoky cellars, a woman seeks her man while a cold crew of killers stalks them both. I like that one, but I don't remember seeing any cellars. So maybe they're talking figuratively. Yeah, and they also didn't seem that cold. You know, it's Hawaii. Yeah. They're pretty warm. Beautiful yeah. weather out there. I mean, cellars historically are cold, but again, we come back to the whole there weren't any cellars to begin with. So we're all just all pointing out. fingers at each other. It's all out the window. Do you know the meaning of Hell's Half Acre, Dan? It's a place, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, an, it's, 
It's a it's a bunch of places for sure. Yeah. I looked into this. It's an American expression, mm-hmm. and um, it means all over the place in all directions. Apparently, okay. So, uh, if someone is said to be all over Hell's Half Acre, they'd be rushing from one place to another, and it's usually known as like the red light district of town. Interesting. A wild and desolate locality. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I mean, you know, in that context with the film, yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, hey, this is like a term that keeps popping up enough. Yeah. What the hell does it mean? They don't get into it in this movie. Yeah. Well, I think probably, you know, at the time, it probably was more in the vernacular. So I think people were more aware of like the connotations of it probably than we are today. I think that probably makes sense. True. It sounds like a war film. That's kind of what I was expecting in a way. I mean, not that it doesn't play a a, a part in this. Sure. yeah, when you hear that, sometimes you you would think it's some like grudge, you know, war, <laughs> yeah. like where they're like they're like it's like a you know it's a grungy like they're in you know that type of element. Yeah, I I, I could see that, but it's not. Uh, it's it's just, not. No, it, it's not. <laughs> directed by John H. Hour, who did the City That Never Sleeps. We remember mm-hmm. that one, of course, and written sure by Steve Fisher, who did City That Never Sleeps. Mm-hmm. As well as tons. I mean, this is a name we should know. He did I Wake Up Screaming. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in your shoes, Lady in the Lake, all Dead of Reckoning, Haunted. all of them. Stuff yep. that's coming, plenty we've done. And cinematography from John L. Russell, who also did City That Never Sleeps. So it's the gang mm-hmm. from City, which is a And good it plays time. a role in this. Like it, it definitely like it it feels almost kind of like a spiritual sequel in a way. Or or like, you know, it it feels like there's there's you know, a lot of there's certain similarities in it, especially in the way it's shot and the way it looks that it definitely feels like almost like a, a companion piece in a way. It's very different, but in some ways it's similar, which I like. I like that. That about that was it. the one where like Chicago was the voiceover. Yeah. And has the, the, the robot man in the, Oh, window. the mechanical man. That is yeah, that mechanical one. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's that one. Yep. Yeah. With the, with the train tracks where he gets electrocuted. Yeah. I mean, e- equally re- equal and ridiculous in this one and just in different ways. I have thoughts for sure. Yes, I, I knew you would. This is going to be a, a tough rundown, unfortunately. Dan is going to be here to get us through it, I hope. I will do my best. I, I feel pretty versed in this. I've, I've seen this a few times, so I will do my best. Because I, the beginning is a little sloggy. I would yeah, say. yeah. I mean, there, there, are, there are cool elements, but there's a there's a lot of tangle in the beginning. So yeah. like, you you have to kind of like quickly try to like, process a lot of data and information really quickly, I think. Uh, And and a lot of the tangledness of of the web starts really early. So you have to kind of get into it. You know, you have to kind of just thrust yourself into it. I I would say even just let it happen, you know, like it's almost a mistake to try to follow along because it's, it's going to get you there after all this stuff, I would say. Um, But you've got Wendell Corey, friend Mm -hmm. of the show as Mm -hmm. Chet Chester. Great name. Very great name. He's living in Honolulu. He owns a restaurant and also he wrote a he, song. <laughs> and he likes to write songs on the side. He's very poetic. Got a record. There's that voiceover in the beginning, I suppose. So that's kind of yeah. similar to to City, but that was very interesting. I, I mean, I like that part. Like, I really liked the words. It was very, it was touching. It was beautiful. You know, it was yeah, very, very cool good song. Steve Fisher stuff there. And yeah, he, he's writing hits. <laughs> yeah. He's well, I mean, well known because of that. But he's also being blackmailed. He comes from crime, as they do. This mm-hmm. is a film noir, after all. So uh, some people are coming after him. He's being blackmailed by some former associates. 
And Slim Novak is one of them. Mm-hmm. It's a great name. And he gets killed by Sally Lee, mm-hmm. who is in a relationship with Chet Chester. Mm-hmm. Once again, great name. Yep. <laughs> Our first Chet in film noir, huh? That I can think of. Yeah. yeah. That we've done. Yes. Oh, you got another Chet on the line? I feel like there's got to be one. I think I think the uh, odds are that there has to be one somewhere. Right, That'll be our mission. We'll start the letterbox list now with yeah. this one, so we remember to add future chats to it. I'm like racking my brain right now. I feel like I probably have heard one, but I, I I'm I'm drawing a blank at the moment. But I'll maybe I'll we come can up get with a, a neo noir with Tom Hanks's son, right? Do real names count? Yeah, I'll 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 look into that. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'm sure there's one I'm not thinking of. You think we have a chat who listens to the show? Should we be careful with? <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any. I don't think I have anything against the name Chet. It's a cool name. I don't either. It just is very striking. You don't see. Yeah, any. it's it, different. There's, yeah, there's nothing like it. Yeah, I think when it's Chet Chester, especially, is what's getting me. Well, I think it's just like anything. Like I, I think about that a lot. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty far digression, but I think about names that like, especially of specific to our study of what we do, is the na- a lot of the names, like a lot of the real life names in particular of these actors. Are just gone like i mean i think of a name like i always like the name vera and that's a cool name of that and like a lot of people have that name in this era a lot of that we discussed but like no one ever said name now like, there's no, no one... new veras yeah yeah like we're like no one has that name anymore so like yeah my it's friend's just... mom was named vera but that was the last time i experienced it as recent as you could interesting yeah but th- th- that's just one that comes to mind that you're just like i don't ever hear that you're gonna bring it back yeah be cool vera is the firstborn name <laughs> i mean i like the name it's cool He's calling a shot, everybody. He just licked his finger and stuck it in the air to test the wind, too. I actually didn't do any of that, but... Um, now he's pointing out to the sky. He's Babe Ruth in it. I was going to say, am I, am I hitting a home run here? <laughs> I hope um, so, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That was a big digression. But yeah, great name. I like Chet. I'll find it. Don't worry. Was Paxton's name Chet in Weird Science? Is that right? Oh, man. I haven't, I haven't watched Weird Science in a very, very, very long time. I mean, when I think of Chet, I think of, I'm pretty sure it was like the Hardy Boys best friend. Oh, he really? Was like, yeah, because I used to I used to really like the Hardy Boys books when I was a kid. Great, um, great series. I'll fact check that real quick because I'm like pretty sure. I mean, Bill Paxton's so, name in Weird Science was Chet Donnelly. There you go. Why? Yes, Chet, Chet Morton is. Morton? Uh, Chet Morton, M-O-R-T-O-N. Was Morton. Their, so they had, they had friends that were named Chet. And Biff. Biff's another name that you don't really hear ever. <laughs> that's a good that's a good one from that era. But yeah, I, I, I used to I mean, I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, it feels like a natural progression now that I think about it with film noir. And I mean, I've always been a fan of these type of movies anyway, but I think this is like almost a natural offshoot. It's like I've always loved just like mysteries and, and crime stuff. Like and like I just really like mystery books and I just really got into Hardy Boys when I was a kid. So I read all those all those books. Do you ever do any Encyclopedia Brown? I did, yeah, I did, I did like Encyclopedia Brown too. Yeah, absolutely. Good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same same era as like Tintin, a lot of a lot of Tintin comics. That's yeah, I got Tintin. really into Tintin. I remember Tintin was the only comic that they carried in the school library, so that really said something, doesn't? That's it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I got really into it through the cartoon, the the Nelvana cartoon from the, the early '90s. That was when I always on in the morning I, on Nickelodeon before school. I remember. It sure was. And USA had it for a while, too. That's and right. Like, yeah, it was just very weird. But yeah, I remember I remember watching that show and I was really into it. So that that was starting. Then I got got all the comics. And if only USA Network would show this movie, Hell's Half Acre, maybe yeah. they could get themselves out of the turlet. Yeah. Or or Tintin, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
I'm struggling because I actually really want to talk about that, but let's get to this. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for the end or another These podcast. are the sacrifices we make for you guys. Um, so Sally Lee has killed Slim Novak and things are going bad. So Chet's like, this isn't good. I knew Novak because we robbed a bank together in California mm-hmm. back in the day. And then Chet ended up stationed in Honolulu uh, with the Navy. We'll find out more about that as time goes on. But he uh, formed a, a crime syndicate with Roger Kong, mm-hmm. who is both Chinese and Hawaiian. And he has mob connections. And Chet eventually splintered off from that. He, he was trying to make a good life for himself. He started up this restaurant and he paid off Slim Novak and uh, Roger Kong. But then uh, they decided wasn't good enough you know as crime does that's why you don't usually get in with these people because they always want more yeah exactly they're gonna come back once they pull you in huh yep every time you try to get out (laughs) yeah that's what it is (laughs) pulling back in greatest line of all time bar none (laughs) it's definitely Um, up there yeah for sure which is weird that it's in the worst godfather but that's just how it goes (laughs) Anyway, it's got to have something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just remember I watched those movies finally. Like, I was so shocked that that was that line that I kept hearing so much reference was in that movie. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So, Chet tells Sally that she's got to go lay low and he's going to go ahead and say that he was responsible for the murder. He'll take the fall. And he also is like, go get $50,000 from my bank fault. You need to get this over to a lawyer of mine in San Francisco, and then we'll see what happens on with that. But that record, Dan, that beautiful poetic record makes its way across the sea to Los Angeles into a record store. First record Mm -hmm. store in in film noir for us, at least, right? A lot of new boundaries being broken with this film. I'm trying to think, was an elevator to the gallows, did, did the girl work at a record store? I think she might have. The one I don't know if we saw it, though, did we? I could be confusing it with another French New Wave movie, but like I could have sworn that that. that Did she work at like a like a photography store or something like that? Well, there's a flower shop, but I think they just shop there. I don't think she worked there, or maybe she did work. No, she did work there. She worked at a flower shop. That's what it is. I'm thinking of there's a different there's a different. Forget what I said. (laughs) Too many movies. We're in the zone today. So record store, and we see Evelyn Keys making her appearance here Mm -hmm. as Donna Williams, and she recognizes some of the lyrical style specifically the line with your bright and shimmering music filled loveliness you are my golden dreams at the rainbow's beginning did you like the record very much what's the matter you are my golden dreams at the rainbow's beginning it's very strange I could almost swear. You could almost swear that what? Golden dreams at the rainbow's beginning. This is what we're dealing with, everybody. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's very, very poetic. I mean, who doesn't feel that way? <laughs> yes. Can't beat it. <laughs> Speaks to the soul. And he's like, hey, wait a second. I know this line. My fucking husband that I was married to for three days, Randy Williams, a real L.A. name. He, he wrote this to me on a photograph right before he went to Pearl Harbor and then was missing in action. Hey, wait a second. I got to look into this. And 
she's engaged to someone and she's like, hey, I got to look into this before I got to marry you. So just hang tight. I got to figure this out. As you do. I mean, if you're already married, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it was like a three day marriage. So you got to see how that was going to go compared to this guy you're engaged to and probably have a a very loving life with. Yeah, 11 years or or whatever later. So 10, I think, or 11. I don't know. I think you said 11 because her kid. I mean, it's I'm jumping ahead, but because she I think she said her kid's 11. Okay. So she looks into this whole thing, finds out that the lyricist of the song is in Honolulu. And actually, weirdly enough, he's on trial for murder. Isn't that funny? Everyone knows him. So she heads there because she's like, this has got to be it. I got to look into this. And so Randy Jr., who's named after father, who, yes, is 11, gets left with the fiance, who's named Frank Ullman, who was like, don't go. (laughs) But she's like, no, 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 I got to do this thing. So she gets there. She calls ahead to the Honolulu police chief, who's named, what's his name? Let me go back because I don't have it up. Oh, I'll give it to you. It's Dan. Is it Dan? No. Yeah, I guess you're right. Police Chief Dan. All right. I thought you knew this already. That's why I was trying to give you such a fun segue. Yeah, I uh, I did not have father tip my tongue. Sorry. <laughs> well, wherever it is on your tongue, Dan, this yeah, guy's was, name is Dan. It was in the more of the back of my tongue. And uh, so she gets there <laughs> and is like, Uh, Or she's like hearing that chest mugshot looks a lot like this guy. He has a a burn on his face. Yeah, which is not something that she was aware of. No, this guy did not have a burn on his face when she left him. Right. So that is like, oh, maybe it's not him. Who knows? But she's going to go meet him at the jail. And yeah, they're going to meet up and, and see what goes on with this. There's also a taxi driver she ends up with. Who gets a little too personal and friendly and becomes like her best friend, which is kind of weird. Yeah, you would think this is just a quick little like when I see this, like, oh, this funny cab driver. I can't wait to talk about this. She's in the whole movie, basically. Like she will keep popping up. They become they become besties. She like stays with her. She (laughs) Yeah. She helps her like get dressed to go out. And I mean, again, we're gonna go ahead, but you know, they do oh, a lot of stuff together. She and she like, you know, she drops her off and you're like, OK, that's the last we're going to see of her. But when she goes back out to pick up a ride, there she is again. Uh, Lydia O'Reilly is her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's Irish and she is wacky. <laughs> yeah, she moved from like, I think it was either Minnesota or Wisconsin, somewhere in the Midwest. And then moved and then she like went out for a vacation and then she's like, I just never went back. <laughs> she was like a teacher or something like that. And then she just stayed. And do they go to Chet's house before going to the prison? Who going to the prison? Donna and them? Yeah, Donna and, and the cab driver. Mm, I don't think they go to his place first. Okay. Not that I recall. So do they meet up then before that? And he's like, right? I don't, this part I'm, I'm not remembering, Danny. You have to get us through this. I don't think so. I don't think they meet before that, do they? Do they not? Okay, so then they just go straight to the house then. Now I'm second guessing myself. We can skip over this part. <laughs> well, we'll go right to the house. So, so yes. they, uh, of course, the, everyone knows Chet's house in, in Honolulu and the cab driver points it out. So she goes in and um, or she goes there. Sally is at the house and she is in a fight with Roger Kong. Right. Well, this happens before they get there. Like, okay. like, because there's the interaction because, because, yeah, because they, they get a fight and then he kills her. 
Right. And then isn't it then Donna is like right there and then comes in. She she doesn't come into the house, but well, she goes not into up the to house, it. but she yeah, goes she's... to it and then she sees the guy. That's all the same scene, right? Correct. So she sees Kong and Kong is like, oh, yeah, I work here and she's not here. He's not here. You know, you got to come back. And it's really awkward and weird. And then she's like, well, that was weird. Um, he was really he seems really sketchy. Yes. And again, Sally is now dead, having been murdered by Roger. Mm. You don't feel good when you see these characters out there. So she Donna is definitely like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Chet learns about Sally's death in prison. He's like, oh, okay. well, I'm going to get out of here then. (laughs) And it was like right when he was being like escorted to meet Donna. That's when this happens. Okay. yeah. I mean, that's well because they ask him to identify the body. He takes it to the morgue. Yes. And he sees which is very, very interesting that like he's handcuffed to the the police captain or whatever. And they're like, all right, we're going to make a stop before we take you to jail. We want you to identify a body. Oh, yeah. It happens to be your girlfriend. (laughs) There's no one else that could do that. Yeah, and at that point is when he he escapes. He starts punching people, right? Yeah, he he, he breaks loose because well, he lets him out of the handcuffs first so he can identify him, and then he once he finds out what happened, he's like, I need to find out who killed her. So he's off on the case. Yep, and he goes to hide out in Hell's Half Acre, mm-hmm. which is the best looking stuff of the film. That's yeah. really mostly the only time we're ever in shadows, like you know, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's like the gritty area that I think is really the highlight of the movie as far as like, this is when you're getting into like the thick of it, you know, with the the plot and with some of the seedy things that go on. Seedy and meaty. Donna is like, well, I got to go look into this. This is still my husband, I think. And, you know, I want to make sure he's all right and, and help out. So she goes to the cab driver and is like, let's go to Hell's Half Acre. Let's let's go in. I want to I'm going undercover. I want to work as one of these dancers at, at a club. Taxi dancer. Yeah. And she's not very good at it. And the cab driver's like, no, no, you got to Like, here's how you dress. Like Dan was saying, like, here's, here's how you walk. Here's how you walk. You know, you put a little umph into a little va va voom. And- well, first she warns her, says you don't want to go there because it's like the worst place ever. Like, it's really dangerous. You don't want to go there. And then she's like, no, I really want to do it. She's like, oh, OK, I'll, I'll get you a job there. <laughs> and uh, she does good. You know, people want to dance with her. And yeah. I mean, she wants to get information, so she's trying to kind of talk to the di- the different guys that are there, try to get the the lowdown on on where Chad is, or Randy. There's also Ippy, mm-hmm. who's a big part of this. He's the informer. Yeah, he he works all sides, and you know, for you money. Be, he, yeah, you could pay more than the last person to get on his side. He also works with Tubby Tubby Otis, mm-hmm. another of the all time great names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there be they're on the take with roger Kong to find chet but again he's just perfectly hidden in hell's half acre no one can find him mm-hmm. and otis sees donna is this at the club doesn't something happen at the club that everyone like runs out so it does well Kong comes in first right because mm-hmm. he comes to see her yes and then well, I know there's that point where it, where it closes, but I'm trying to remember, is there like a raid of some kind? I think maybe the police. Something like that. Yeah. Point? Yeah. Where they all split and then that's how she ends up going back with Tubby, right? Yeah. Because she comes out and then she like somehow gets like either like hit or like drugged or something where she she's like unconscious. Well, he's like, I can I can take you, you know, to where you need to go. And then right. yeah, she, she drugs him or he drugs her. Yeah. And then, yes, ends up back at his place, along with his wife, Rose Marie Windsor. I mm-hmm. always like her. 
also from City That Never Sleeps, if you're looking mm-hmm. for the gang. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always like her, too. She's always great, and it's usually these roles, but I, I this role in particular, she really shined, and it was... yeah. She does a lot of fun stuff in it. Yeah, she's one of my favorites, even though it's like a relatively smallish part, but I, I really like her. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, she slips out and Otis tries to assault Donna. That is some very creepy stuff, man. Yeah. That That is some gross. And it, he is a his name is Tubby. But I mean, he is just like a gross, slimy, sweaty man and drunk guy. I mean, he's drunk through a lot of this. So. Oh, yeah. But Chet actually hears her scream. And he comes and rescues her. Mm-hmm. And this is where they meet. And she's like, hey, I know you, right? And he plays like, it off. He's like, no, which is just fascinating. Like, imagine just <laughs> having to pretend like you don't know someone you clearly know. Yeah. Couldn't imagine. Well, I mean, he really didn't know her that well. I mean, it's only three days. Or, I mean, they were married, well, they were married for, three for three days. But yeah. You know, how long did they know each other beforehand? It seemed like it was a whirlwind romance. Long enough, Dan. The fire is still long burning. Is long enough? I mean, I'm sure she still sees him when she sees his face in her son. Yeah. And the photo that she has on her dresser. Well, yeah, if you need a direct reference. Yes. Uh, so he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know who this Randy guy is. He sounds awesome, but I, I have this burn here. See, he, he doesn't. So clearly we're two different people. And I'm Chet Chester. I'm Chet Chester. The guy was not cool enough to be Chet Chester. So sounds like he a real loser who died in Pearl Harbor. Let's mm-hmm. leave him there. Except one thing, though. What's he that? He had a dude? son. He did can't have a son, which he didn't know about. Yeah. You know, that might make a Chet feel like a Randy. Maybe. Let's find out. <laughs> and so Chet's like, all right, I got to make sure you're OK. And he finally, you know, makes an appearance out in the world. He goes to police chief Dan and is like, you know, hey, take care of this stranger's wife. <laughs> take care of Randy Williams's wife. Make sure she's OK. And maybe uh, I could be the hero that my son thinks that or Randy Williams's son thinks that he is, you know? Yeah. So that plays at his heartstrings and the the cops guard his little hideout place in Hell's Half Acre. A lot of uh, a lot of undercover (laughs) detectives or or plainclothesmen. They're all playing it cool and like hiding behind anything they can. Stairs and (laughs) planks and all sorts of stuff. And so, yeah, they're trying to get out the killer out. Sally and yeah. uh, use this guy as bait. But police chief Dan and Donna also are like, hey, what can we do to get this killer to come out? And they're like, well, why don't we say that Donna is Chet's wife? Get that word out there. That'd be interesting. And let's make they're sure our friend Ippy knows about it. Yeah, because he's got a big mouth. He'd fucking talk about anything. Yep. And so the word makes it back to Roger Kong. He's like, ah, this doesn't seem right. And so he looks like he chokes Ippy, but then they say like he broke his neck. I don't I didn't understand how that happened. But. Yeah, something along those lines. I mean, either way, I mean, bottom line is he killed. He him. fucks Ippy up. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. He, well, he doesn't he had he's not dead at that moment. Yes. But he is not doing so hot. Right. And it could possibly lead to death. But there's those great tight shots in the in that. I guess you can call it apartment, maybe like a. Tenement. flop house or you yeah. know a flat or something uh yeah. but a lot of really interesting close shots between mary windsor and marie windsor why i say mary um marie windsor and uh tubby mm-hmm. and kong are all, all like it's like all really really tight in there it's, it's i don't know i really like it adds to the tension you know how it's boiling over no like i said all the best stuff is is in this place and yeah. that that's definitely a part of it. And Marie Windsor has like a, a thing going on with Roger Calm too. Like, you know, they're yeah. intimate. 
Right. They're and having an affair. Yeah. Roger's like, this doesn't feel right. Hey, hey, Tubby, why don't you go out there and check this thing? <laughs> and so he gets out there and it goes down and clearly it's a trap. Tubby gets pretty fucked up. Chases on and gets shot. Able to do all right for a while. People really are able to take some lickings in this one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so Dan's like, cool, we got him. <laughs> this is it. Must have been this Tubby guy. He, he's clearly a sleazy piece of shit. But, you know, Donna's still like, hey, I saw some guy back at Chet's place that I still feel pretty uneasy about. What's up with that guy? I don't know. And then um, Ippy gets taken to a hospital. He's about to die. And he's able to whisper out Roger's name. And uh, over the radio, like the, the guy's like, Chief, Ippy died at the hospital. Oh. Then you weren't able to get him to talk. No. Only a couple of mumbled words. It was all garbled up. Sounded something like Conraj, Raj, uh, something like that. Thank you. Are you trying to say Roger Kong? Police Chief Dan's like, oh, no shit. Okay. Roger Kong. Let's get this guy. Chet's able to slip out again past all these cops and, and the trap that he helped set up. And he meets up with Donna and he's like, you got me. I know you didn't know this, but I'm actually your husband. Surprise. Surprise. But not really. Yeah, she's like, I knew this the whole time. Like, one burn on your face isn't going to change anything. Yeah. You know, he's like, ah, yeah, yeah. I slipped out after Pearl Harbor. I got burned and into a life of crime. Yeah, here I am. I didn't know about the sun, so I thought everything was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. But let's keep this guy dead. Let's keep me a hero in our son's eyes. So I'm going to leave him some money. All that good crime money I got. Give it to old Randy Jr. And then uh, he goes out and puts himself right into an ambush from Roger Kong, trying to lure him out as well. Mm -hmm. At the restaurant. Yeah, that does not go well. Nope. He basically like sacrifices himself to try to get something on Kong. Yeah, there's no way to better way to prove someone's a murderer than getting murdered in front of everybody. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting (laughs) and very... uh fatalistic i guess way to way to way to make this happen but one thing that's interesting that i I definitely want to bring up is uh did you notice the parallel with the way this ends is very similar to a scene in city that never sleeps is there's that sequence where the guy gets shot outside the the bar restaurant with the mechanical man from a window Mm -hmm. and like the way the cameras it's the guy's coming out and he's in the street and it's very similar to how how it goes out here is Kong's waiting in the car and then he's looking out at the restaurant, shoots him from the from the like the window, just kind of in the side of the car, and shoots him Wendell Corey in this. I, I just it's very similar. Of I course know I noticed, a... Dan. Of course okay. I noticed. Okay. I had no idea. That's very cool. But uh, think about it. I mean, yeah, I mean there's, there's yeah. like the way the way it's shot, the way it looks, it's actually very, very similar. So I, I wonder if that was just like signature john each hour or, or yeah you, know, you got a good I, shot I think, why waste it right exactly i, I think it's, it was a probably a signature of him i think it was something that he he really liked most likely it's a good shot we could always use more of it someone should feel free to give a homage to it yeah i kind of want to see some of his other movies that i haven't seen see if there's another one yeah right well there. i'm sure we'll get to more in the in the coming year in the coming hundred but donna she's gonna leave hawaii she had a wonderful vacation i'm sure and police chief dan's like you can tell little randy jr that his daddy's a hero after all they get rid of chet's will chet doesn't exist anymore chet chester is dead 
Yep, Much no like more. Randy Williams. Yeah. No more songs. We're just going to remember them forever. Whatever happened to songwriter Chet Chester? Could have always been a pseudonym, you know, you could always say. True. Which it was. Um, yeah, it was Randy Williams, his real name. Yeah. Fun fact. I mean, Randy Williams, I mean, they both sound like songwriter names of the 50s. So I think Andy right. Williams. I was going right? to say Andy Williams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, think of, yeah. And Chess Chester sounds very 50s, like pen some novelty song or something. It sounds <laughs> like you... the, the first cheetah they went with for Cheetos. Chet, che- Chet Chester Cheetah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so I guess the, the better question now is, is what what did you think? It's interesting. Well, for one, you told me earlier that this was going to be. Oh, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. So I decided to plug in my computer. I'm holding. <laughs> computer plug. You said this was a Hawaii noir, and maybe we should have saved it for summer. And I'm, you know, you hear that, and I was a little worried about it. But seeing it, I think you know it was okay. You know, I think it's fine. It never, you're never in too much of a traditional Hawaii. More, you're more in Hell's Half Acre. Them. yeah i agree yeah watching it again it had been a while since i've seen it yeah i agree i i, I feel like if anything it's like a vacation you know i mean like, we would have gotten away yeah. with it for sure but sure it's okay and yeah it isn't it's a nice little vacation it's getting cold it is cold over here on the east coast mm-hmm. the non-hawaiian coast nice to get away it is um i liked everybody's performance in it it just there's a little it was a little sloggy in the beginning and it was a little sloggy at the end it just had a nice middle I think, but there was time. Middle was action packed. Yeah, I think definitely there's there's a lot going on and it and it moves very nicely. But yeah, I agree. The ending does get a little bit muddled. The the beginning's a little bit muddled. And Um, it's a long movie too, unfortunately. You know, and we were just spoiled with so many great The long ninety one (laughs) minutes. I mean, you know, we've been having so many like hour movies for so long that hour tens, yeah. we, We had a wonderful streak that this happened and um you know, you felt it at times and it was those bookends, you know, mm-hmm. but this was an olive release. Mm-hmm. They did a very nice job. I mean, it's bare bones, but the print itself looks, looks good. Nice. The sound yeah. is good. The design is great. Great artwork. O- like olive always does a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it because of how different it is. I mean, I mean, it has a lot of similarities like tropes, but I mean, like in the locale, I mean, the locale is really what does it for this movie like that just because it's so unique, like you, know, it's just very different. And, Definitely. And that's, that's why I like it because again, it like it transports you. It's like a vacation noir, and and even what I find really funny, which I forgot about, is this the scene where where uh, the the cab driver is is like, oh, let me show you some of the sights, and she takes him out on that like gigantic like canoe thing. I don't know what they're called. That yeah, has, like, the kind of, like yeah, like the little like I don't know what they're called. Like they're almost like skis, almost like you know, like on the sides, right? Um, and it, and it feels like you're watching like somebody's like home movies from like their vacation. Very which, bizarre. Which um, is fun, yeah. I, it's, no, there's yeah. those little elements from these hour movies that are like nothing else, you know? There's no mechanical man. There's no weird cab driver. You know, like, there's yeah. always someone special in these things. And yeah. that makes it worth it for sure. Um, I, overall, though, I'd give it like 6.3 out of 10 Hawaiian vacations. I, I think... Okay. I didn't love it, but what I did, like, I did love. I, I thought, you know, again, that middle stuff was was really, really good. It's enjoyable. It's, it's a ride. Like I said, it's different. It's just different. I mean, it, and there's a lot of weirdness in it that it's like interesting, like interesting wrinkles with like, you know, he, he was in the war. He died. Maybe it's him. He wrote a song. It's on a record. She hears it on a record. Like I would have loved more of that. too. Yeah, like, it's just very weird, like interest, interesting things that you don't always get. So, yeah, I, I for that, I, I like it. Some some diff- different twists on, on a lot of the familiar that we get. So 
and that's why I would recommend it is if you're looking for something different that is yeah. still watchable and enjoyable enough, this yeah. is definitely one of them. But, you know, as far as anything else goes, it, it just it's a little sloggy on the bookend. But again, that middle, it, it's just like a burger with some shitty buns, you know, but <laughs> it's, it's a good burger. Yeah, still good. There's, as you probably, yeah, we, we kind of talked about it earlier, but there's not really a lot of fun facts. So I did kind of what I would normally do is I kind of went more towards the the actors and, and some stuff, more fun facts specific to them. Love it. I'm looking um, forward to this. I guess out of the way first, I will, I'll, I'll bring up, uh, since we've all, I know all our listeners and you have probably been, you know, waiting for the, the Don, the beachcomber. What I suspect is based on the, it's nothing says it for sure. But the restaurant that they use that Chet owns is actually the one that Don the Beachcomber owned. So oh. he he owned a few restaurants called the Polynesian Village. And I think one had like a different, slightly different name, Polynesian, something else. I forget what it was. Oh, and um, the, the song was called Polynesian Rhapsody. Correct. It was. Forgot yes. about that. Sorry, guys. Yes. And I think maybe they gave that to him as like an honorary. And then maybe he did help with some of the scouting or some of the technical aspects because he was known as like, basically like the quote unquote founding father of like the tiki era of the fifties and how you always see like that, like there was that, like, I don't even want to call it revival. It was like a, you know, a, just a up and coming thing of, of culture that right. people really liked this, this tiki culture. And he was apparently like the guy that like started all that, like post-World War II. There's tons of it in this movie. Right. And there is. So, yeah. So I think that. It also made me think of how much it must suck to work shirtless. I mean, maybe some people like it. I, I just I'm not that type of person. I mean, I'm not either, but maybe somebody else likes it. I, I'm just I'm speculating maybe others like it. But yeah, me personally, no. Like if you go on break, are you putting on a shirt? Hmm, good question. I guess it depends on how, how hot or cold it is. That's a tough call. Or how insecure you're feeling that day, maybe. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we talked about Wendell Corey probably in length. Uh, so I'm not really going to go too much in him. I know we just we've covered a lot of movies with him. And I mean, recently we did Desert Fury. We did I Walk Alone, Fala and Thelma Jordan. Some really cool ones that we've done. So definitely just quick shout out to him. But he's, he's awesome. a, yeah, he's an interesting guy in, in different levels. I mean, even in a small role like I, I Walk Alone, he was great. I mean, as the as the doctor. So I think even in a small role like that. But I mean, obviously here he has a much larger role. And I think he's he's good for it in this role. I think he's got that mix of like kind of that tough edge. But there's a little maybe softness under the under the surface, you know, that may may come out. And we see that through the song and through some of the, the revelations towards the end uh, with his, his his wife. Evelyn Keys. I like her. She's cool. Uh, she originally was a, a chorus girl by the age of 18. Uh, she actually then came out to Hollywood and was introduced to Cecil B. DeMille, who, in her words, said she signed me to a personal contract without even making it a test. So oh. without a screen test, Cecil B. DeMille was like, you're in. And she was in a bunch of B movies. And she actually heard like kind of like one of her first like major roles was as a smaller role in Gone with the Wind. Uh, she was Carla O'Hara's sister mm -hmm. uh, in that movie. She actually uh, was something I didn't realize, but she was married a few times and she married a couple of directors, including uh, Child, uh, Charles Vador and John Huston. She was married to John Huston for a few years, which I totally forgot about. Um, oh, wow. And she actually uh, she wrote a book called Scarlett O'Hara's Younger Sister. My Lively Life in and Out of Hollywood, which was published in 1977. I was kind of looking into it. It seems interesting. I would definitely read that. It seems like she has a lot of fascinating things to say. Um, one of the things that she, she recounts, I think, in the book is that she uh, kind of had many love affairs 
And I can't remember if we talked about it. We may have, but I mean, anywhere from Glenn Ford, Sterling Hayden, Dick Powell, Anthony Quinn, D- David Niven, Kirk Douglas. Um, I think we did because that book, like, I mean, she really like dishes into it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's always like, wow, definitely like an interesting thing that I would want to read. Um, yeah. Marie Windsor, we talked about how great she is. Yeah, she was in City, City That Never Sleeps. She was also in Force of Evil. Uh, and the narrow margin, which I am a big fan of, a uh, friend of the show, Lisa, told me about that movie, saying it was a must-watch, and I I watched it. It's a uh, Warner Archive DVD, and wow, what a ride! So at some point, we'll probably get to that. She's also in the Killing. She's great in the Killing. Maybe that might be one of my favorite roles of her. Yeah, um, that's the one she, I usually she, think of. Yeah, yeah, like when I think of her, like that's yeah, that's like the one I think of. This um, one will be in there, though. Though this was a highlight for her. Yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah, again, like you know. Probably could have used more of her. Um, yeah, and and that that would have been interesting. But yeah, I think she's she's cool in it. Very dynamic, very dynamic in a, in a smaller role, and and that's something that you know, you always kind of like look at and say, well, that's great. Like that that you could take a smaller role and really kind of show the. And that's usually depth. like yeah. when I most like Wendell Corey is like more when he's like a side guy than like a leading man. Not that he's a terrible leading man, but he just does such great things with those little roles. You know, right. And I, me- I I mentioned that he was a doctor in that one. That was actually in fi- file of Thelma Jordan. I said the wrong one. Uh, oh, okay, was, that's right. Yeah, that's and right. I walk alone. He was the, he was the friend. Right, the, right, 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 so I, right. I had to mix up. Want to clarify? Really interesting. Uh, Philip Ahn, who plays uh, Kong, um, mm-hmm. he's actually widely regarded as the first Korean American film actor in Hollywood. Oh. Um, and he was very active uh, in the Korean community in Los Angeles. He even worked to get the Korean Bell of Friendship. Uh, to San Pedro in California. It's actually been in many movies since then. And he served as a uh, honorary mayor of Panorama City, California for 20 years. Wow. Um, and uh, actually a, uh, a associate film professor of film studies in Colorado State University. Uh, his name is Hai Sung Chung. Uh, he once wrote that An remains a true pioneer, one of the few performers of Asian descent to survive the racist casting uh, politics of studio era filmmaking and make a transition to the television age. Uh, although An played Korean characters in only a handful of Korean war films and television episodes, he was a, a, an important figure in Korean American history. And in 1984, he was monstrously inducted into the Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, with, with the motion picture star for his contributions to the film industry. And he was actually the first Korean American actor to receive a, a star on Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is very interesting. Um, Absolutely. And I think he's really cool. He's really great in this. I, I really like him. He's very... Again, in the same same way, he's very dynamic. Like he ha- he shows like he's got this really like mean streak, hard edge to him. And then he has this facade where he's like this kind of like oh you know everything's cool like yeah like I'm suave kind of guy. But then like under the surface, he's got this like you know this hard edge to him. Um, yeah, I would have loved more of him too. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. But the, what we do get is still still very very bad. effective, very effective yes, for sure. And and that's kind of mostly what I had. I mean, I I, I wanted to really highlight Philip on in particular. I think it kind of highlighting him but yeah just a lot of like great solid supporting cast filling the main cast in this movie i think not a slight on them but just like maybe people that are usually relegated to smaller roles being elevated in this movie very much so even um, with wendell Corey, i mean it yeah. really is just like entirely people that do more like the the bit parts and stuff like that but getting to really shine even if it's still a bit part you know mm-hmm there's no like literally everyone did such a, a great job you know there's yes. no one i'd be like ah but this one person didn't really try it's like you know no, they did great i'm now like recanting like i'm thinking like uh, so no so 
I, I, I was like racking my brain. So I was, I'm doubly wrong on, on Wendell Corey. So I'm, I'm, Hell yeah. I'm, I'm awful today. So it, it's actually, he was the doctor in sorry, wrong number, which we just did. So in all, in all fairness, that was the one that was most present in my brain. So that's okay. why I, I went to it. So I, my Clearly. apologies, I, I usually pride myself on my fact checking. So for that, I am sorry, but. Well, you case, fact check, you're fact checking. You can still pride yourself. Exactly. I think it's just. It just goes to show you the, the breadth of, of movies that he was in that we've done that he's oh, been yeah. pretty solid in. So I, oh, think, yeah. I think that's a testament to him. So if anything else, I'm sure we'll be getting more of him later on. There's one in particular I can think of that is uh, fantastic that he's in. So um, he's I'm coming. Sure we'll get to that. 2023, yeah, look out. Yeah. The year of Wendell Corey. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not done with this year yet, Dan. That's true. So let's go ahead and do our 99th episode right before we break off the full hundo. This should have been 99 River Street. We should have, we should have held that for this one in maybe, hindsight. Maybe. maybe not. I mean, I'm glad we did it. We can only be wrong. so cutesy, Dan. You know? That's true. We, we run a, a serious ship here. That's true. Next week, we're going to go to 1959, the most serious of all years. And we're going to do the Crimson Kimono. Samuel Fuller is back, which I'm psyched for. <laughs> sensational murder of Sugar Torch, Burlesque Queen, triggers a manhunt in the teeming streets of Little Tokyo in Los Angeles, and fires a turbulent love story between an American girl and a Japanese boy. You mean you want to marry her? You wouldn't have said it that way if I were white. It can never work out, Chris. If he feels like that, what can I expect from you? Everything. Because I love you. The Crimson Kimono, starring lovely Victoria Shaw, Glenn Corbett, Hollywood's fastest rising young star, and James Shigeta. What is his strange fascination for American girls? Be sure to see The Crimson Kimono, written, produced, and directed by Samuel Fuller. Have you seen this one? Yes. Okay. I've seen it too. So we'll I have thoughts. I have I thoughts. I imagine. <laughs> I'm uh, looking forward to those thoughts. Uh, if you guys have thoughts, you guys are thinkers and some of the greatest minds out there. Mm -hmm. Come share your telepathy with us, but we're going to need it digitally. We'd like that on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Out of the cast, I believe, right, Dan? Or out of the podcast? Out of the podcast, yes. Our Twitter, which we're still giving a light warning on. I'm not sure. That's out of the cast. I feel like we get pretty good engagement on there though. So I, I feel like it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to to get rid of right now. I hate this fucking service though. I know. Yeah. It's it's I mean, it's granted, yes. I'm not not necessarily a fan, but I love um, who we got. I love the engagement. Yes. I'm with you. That that makes it very difficult. That it's makes a good it channel not a sure community. thing. Yeah. Yes, but come find us other places. Instagram's a great one. Uh, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com, still the greatest one. Get, get right mm -hmm. to the facts, get directly to the lads, and skip the bullshit, Dan. Huh? Too much yeah. bullshit. Yeah, talk to us, say hi, say what you like, say what you don't like. That's right. Tell us some movies we should be watching next year if you got yeah. some suggestions. Sure, we're making the list pretty soon. Rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you to those who, who completed the challenge I gave last week. Mm -hmm. The ratings are a little better. We, you know, keep them coming. Makes us easier to find in the algorithm. And, you know, we want more Noiros out there. But also, I get it. You know, you you found something you like. You don't want to share it with anyone else. 
Keep it all to yourself. Keep it all to yourself. And, you know, if it gets big, then you'd be like, I knew it before. And I don't I ne- I don't like them anymore. They sold out. I get that. Pre-episode 100. Right. We're all oh, we're selling out hard at 101. <laughs> Just do wait for the retool. <laughs> <laughs> Just ads galore. Can't wait. Come find out how to get shipping supplies or never, your... ever, ever, ever. The minute that happens is the minute I quit. Hey, Dan, if it's lucrative enough, I'll do it. <laughs> Sounds like a solo show to me. Joe, Joe, Joey's ready to sell out. That, that'll that be it. I have never once said I will not sell out. I sell out in a heartbeat. Have you seen my paycheck lately? I will do whatever. I have not. You'll have to show it to me. <laughs> oh, I think it just turned into dust. Uh, much like this episode. We're leaving. We're out of here. We got things to do. So thank you for joining us mm-hmm. for another edition. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope so, too. But in the meantime, here's the crime, everybody. Here's the crime. Ready, ding, 